Hey, hey, listen, Dad. Uh, as an outsider of no man, and if there's a god, this family. Why do a bunch of guys who are bleary when sober need an official beer? Bud, while no man may look like a loose assortment of footpads, rakes, and rapscallions, <laughs> we are, in fact, a proud order of dignified men who serve our community with honor and panache. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a whoop No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast here in the Australian nudie bar. I am your new spokeshuman for the Married with Children podcast. Bundiana. And if we don't get along today, I think I'm just going to break up this little party here and ask some stupid questions about sports. <laughs> my name is Matt, and I've got, for some reason, a bottle of British ale underneath my armpit. I'm Steve, and I'm sitting here with a nice cold Aussie beer. I'm sipping it, I'm swishing it, but I'm not spitting it out. This is And Bingo Was Heard Game O. Season 9, episode 21. Originally aired on March 26, 1995, Peggy gets invited to the Bingo Invitational Final. To their horror, Al and Jefferson hear that the new spokesmodel for their official No Man Club beer, Girly Girl Beer, is Yoko Ono. Therefore, No Man must select a new official beer. Directed by Jerry Cohen and written by Laurie Lee Goss and Gary Bowen. Or Bowen. Guess cars. Harold Sylvester as Griff, E.E. E. Bell as Bob Rooney, Tom McLeister as Ike, Gene Spiegel Howard as Seal, Clint Howard as Mullen, Rusty Schwimmer as Babs, Peter Spellis as Elmo, Vic Sabian as Abdullah, and Pat Crawford Brown as the Bingo Caller. Two interesting names there we'll get into soon. Forrest Gump director Robert Zemeckis hosts Fox Sunday Night. When Al's favorite beer gets a new spokeswoman... I'm Yoko Ono! He'll declare war. Your father and the Flab Four are trying to come up with a new official beer. I mean, they finished their search for the official pork rind. On a brand new Married with Children. Then, Robert Zemeckis directs a special Tales from the Crypt you've got to see to believe. He's looking at you, kid. It all happens Sunday at 9, 8 central on Fox. But the episode title is one of those titles that I feel like Tyler may comment on that they when he says that they think of episode titles first and then build an episode around it because it's clearly just and bingo was her Nemo, which is a line from an English language children's song of obscure origin yes I was trying to remember because I've heard it before but I just couldn't remember which it was a nursery rhyme or something from school I remember mm. and then it became the there was a farm who had a dog bingo was his name oh <laughs> B-I-N-G <laughs> <laughs> The episode opens Al and Jefferson are watching TV But they're watching PBS, aren't they? <laughs> Look at it, Jefferson The elegance, the form The sheer grace of motion mm. The triumph of the human spirit And now on Monster Trucking <laughs> 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 
Tyrannosaurus Rex will attempt to mow over nine flaming prison buses. Boy, PBS has really changed since the Republicans took over. Yeah, PBS isn't quite the PBS I know of. Uh, for non-American listeners, PBS, or the Public Broadcasting Service, has been around since uh, 1970, was formerly NET, and to non-Americans, is best known for airing Sesame Street. Well, in, in Australia, our equivalent is the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, or ABC, which provides a similar role, but is funded by the government rather than by um, donation drives. Yeah, it's a non non profit organisation. Yeah, I remember Luigi did a really good overview of PBS. I think last time I was on the podcast, maybe the time before. But I remember he gave a really good outline of what it actually was and what it did. He did. Yes, I think that was the worst Noel when yeah yes. four of us were on yeah, together. It was. Yeah. Um, yes. Last season. Yeah, they have this comment that PBS has really changed since the Republicans took over, and in our notes here. Said the 104th United States Congress met in Washington, D.C. from January 3rd, 1995 to January 3rd, 1997, during the third and fourth years of Clinton's presidency, and both chambers had Republican majorities for the first time since the 1950s. Major events included passage of elements of the contract with America and a budget impasse between Congress and the Clinton administration. That resulted in the federal shutdown of the government in 95 and 96. Republicans came to power with Newt Gingrich's contract with America agenda. So this is at the start of 1995, this episode. Yes, they're probably written after or at least after they um, won in November of 94. Uh, Here in January 2021, it still sounds a bit saner than what's been going on recently. But, um, well, we're not here to talk about that, thankfully. We're here to talk about how the Republicans have improved PBS with the nine flaming prison buses on the TV. (laughs) Yes. So Kelly comes in. She's got the mail. And there's an interesting magazine in there. I mean... I think we all know which little handyman gets self-touches quarterly. <laughs> Mail's here. What do we get? Well, you've got bills. <laughs> I got fan mail. <laughs> oh, and I think we all know what little handyman gets self-touches quarterly. <laughs> and this is for you. Oh. A letter from the Office of Bingo Affairs. No doubt a part of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Useless Blood-Sucking Spouses. I love that she doesn't even have to say his name. Uh, So, uh, yeah, Peg's got another mail too. She's been invited to this bingo invitational. The Windy City Bingo Invitation. Well, it's nice to see everyone's got mail for them, because, I mean, this was 1995, so... Uh, I mean, if this was this was today, I don't think any of this would, would be um, proper mail or Bud wouldn't get a magazine for starters of the quarterly, the self-touches quarterly. No, there'd be a website now. <laughs> He'd have a subscription. He'd have a subscription to that site. It's a different kind of subscription. Yes. It was funny on that because I looked at the cover really in stop motion earlier today to see if the writing on the front had anything interesting, but it didn't have much. It just had free delivery, club news and letters of the month. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the first top prize for bingo is $10,000. Which, in 2021 money, is $16,982.35 in American money. Or if you convert it to Australian money, in Australian dollars, we're talking about $22,087.06. Very nice. Not too shabby. Um, So yeah, Peg thinks Marcy might come with her, but Marcy brings up 
a story from her childhood, which is clearly made up, about... A dog named Bingo who once died a tragic death. And then Jefferson says, I thought you had a cat named Gringo that lived to be a hundred. Which, the first time we're hearing it, but I guess maybe she did. I don't know. She also had um, a puppy called Winkums, if you remember back in at the end of season four. And what other pets has she had? No, maybe that's it. I was a bit distracted during that because... A, Marcy's hair is back to being awful. And B, I notice that uh, Jefferson's hair is styled a little bit differently. I mean, it's very petty to notice that, but he just looks different. He does. I noticed that too, yeah. All right, I'm glad I wasn't the only one, because there are a couple of sort of different cosmetic changes here. Like later on, Peggy's wearing a skirt, which I didn't expect. Between that and Jefferson's new hairstyle here, I just, I just wondered if they were starting to experiment things a bit but yeah Marcy Jefferson's hair distracted me during this scene yeah Jefferson looked like he had a bit a bit more product than his hair mm, yeah very slick maybe Marcy raises allowance <laughs> and don't worry Al this isn't gonna cost you one red cent good give me three hundred dollars <laughs> what for bingo clothes ah you <laughs> Here, you Denver boot of a woman. <laughs> so Peggy needs $300 for bingo clothes. So how much is that, Matt? Well, that would be, Anna, $509.47 in American money. And in Australian money, we're talking about $662.64. Wow. And Al has this in his pocket? Oh, I can't believe that he had it in his pocket. Well, you say he's no. Al with nothing. How come he's got 300 bucks in his pocket? Mm. Mm. What, his whole life savings? <laughs> and Al calls Peg a, a Denver boot of <laughs> A Denver boot is a, is a car clamp, isn't it? Is that what it is? Oh, okay. No, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, just, just looked it up. It's called a wheel clamp. On a side note, wheel clamping was actually recently banned here in Western Australia. Oh, right. Oh. I said car clamp, and that makes me think of absolutely fabulous where Eddie has to rescue her car, and she says, is this the car clamp club? Yes. <laughs> Wheel clamp is quite big in the UK, so yeah, it's a bit bigger over there, yeah. Yes, yeah, Al calls his wife a, a wheel clamp. So Peg leaves with Marcy, and now there's a word from the sponsor of Girly Girl Beer. I hope it's the one where the, the girls are studying and then they turn the hoses on each other. Or it's the one where in the library and they turn the whole hoses on each other. <laughs> and then we get an impression of yoko ono i don't i sort of resisting saying a good impression but you know it's pretty clear that she's meant to be yoko ono despite saying hi i'm yoko ono and now a word from our sponsor girly girl beer (laughs) (laughs) the official beer of no man I hope this is the commercial where the girls are washing their cars and they turn their hoses on each other. Oh, I, I hope it's the one where the girls are studying at the library and then they turn the hoses on each other. <laughs> Hi, I'm Yoko Ono. The new spokeshuman for girly girl beer. Because we care about the environment, girly girl beer will donate one nickel per case to save our vanishing rainforest. And now, a song I've written! Jefferson, give me the remote. 
wasn't enough breaking up the Beatles. Now she's ruined our beer. Jefferson, call an emergency meeting of the troops. No, ma'am, must pick a new official beer. She sounds like Yoko Ono when she's about 17 years old. <laughs> Maybe it was deliberately meant to be a bad impression, a bit like how literally two years afterwards, South Park premiered with its... Um, deliberate bad impersonation of celebrity, so it may have been deliberate. Yeah. Yeah, a part of me thought it might be deliberate too. I mean, the lady doing the impression, her name is Julia Cato, and I forgot to mention her at the start because she's not listed on IMDb. So naughty IMDb, but she is listed in the end credits. And I think, you're probably right, it is like a deliberate bad impression, so they're not being too defamatory or whatever, but... Yeah, Yoko Ono is the new spokeshuman for girly girl beer. Being very non-gender in the 90s. Yeah, this show is ahead of its time. <laughs> I mean, they're caring about the environment and everything too. I know, a beer with environmental causes? Or um, somehow, I don't think this this sort of beer would, um, well, um, it'd be an hour's approval after this um, current campaign. I mean, away from the campaign, I mean, Girly Girl is most likely a lager. They never explicitly state what sort of beer it is, but I'm sure I have more to say about that when we get to that bit of the episode. Uh, naturally, our, um, as we expressed to discuss, not by writing a letter, not by making a phone call, but throwing the remote into the TV. Bang! Bang. I've got here Al Kills TV. I wrote down Al destroys another TV. <laughs> or, so, sorry, I wrote down another TV is destroyed. Yeah. Because he only got a new TV at the end of season eight when Kelly won it on the, on the quiz show. I know. What a race, Al. It was only one year ago. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it wasn't enough breaking up the Beatles. Now he's ruined their beer and his TV. <laughs> so Al has to rally the troops and they're going to pick a new official beer. So now we get Peg practicing her... Bingoing. What's the name of this book? Think, think Bingo and Grow Rich. That's it. <laughs> well, one thing I noticed is, okay, uh, Peg, you can't research Bingo. It's random. <laughs> I'm thinking the Think Bingo and Grow Rich is, is ripping off the Think and Grow Rich book by Napoleon Hill. I'm assuming that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yes. And I've got a few stories about bingo, actually, because I was, um, as I may have mentioned on this podcast before, I used to volunteer in a nursing home. Well, some of the stereotypes on The Simpsons, amongst other shows, are true. Bingo is one of those. So, when I was there, the residents liked to play bingo at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, to the point where someone got really angry if they didn't play it. Now, they're not playing, they didn't pay for cash, they didn't play anything big, just just to pay for chocolates or a banana or other, just little trinkets like that. Most importantly, they had fun. Uh, I learned some of the calls, like Legs 11, Clickety Click 66. Uh, oh, some of them used to get uh, taken way too seriously. Uh, mind you, um, this one was bas- had residents that were basically uh, um, overgrown school children. I'm sure that's the same for a lot around the world. And uh, bingo time was no exception. But it was a nice change for them watching hours and hours of um, Channel 7, one of the TV channels here in Australia. Yeah, there's a different... I think all around the world there's all different places where people play bingo. Um, we might get to that more when we actually get get to the church where they're having it. But it's, it's here it's in clubs. In England it's in... Um, oh, where they have them in England? You see them on TV a lot. But it seems like churches in the US. So Yeah, and they're quite popular on cruise ships. 
Yeah. But yeah, we can get into that in a minute. Yeah, we just had a the Yoko Ono Beatles reference, and then and now Peg has referred to Al and the Flab Four. <laughs> What's going on in the garage? Oh, your father and the Flab Four are trying to come up with a new official beer. I mean, they finished their search for the official pork rind. <laughs> so that would be Al, Bob Rooney, Ike, Griff, Jefferson. That's it. That's yep. it. I think that's that's it. it. That's it's five Al, Al and the Flab Four. And, and the Flab Four. Which reminds me, I may, um, when one of my good friends moves back to Perth, I may see if I can convince um, this group of friends to dress up with me as no mammas for one supernova when it comes back. Ooh. I've, seen, I've to see if I can convince them, though. It might be a bit hard. Yeah, I think you might be able to. I'll see. That's where Bud says, they're, um, they're, have, they, have, have they worked out their official pork rind? So they're looking for <laughs> official beer. So they look... Thanks for mentioning that, Steve. They, they are amazing. You know. And I will say, I do prefer the version called pork scratchings, which has yep. more fat on them. They yep. are... Oh, heaven. It's one of my oh. favourite little beer snacks, that's for sure. I know pork scratchings, I know the pork rinds, and the things you get here, which are sort of in between, but the um, British pork scratchings are, are the go. I, I love them with a the cold beer, they're fantastic. Well, Steve, I'll just I'll just say, to you, you, can, you can actually buy British pork scratchings here, they're a brand called Pascal's, they're made in New South Wales, and Steve, oh, yeah. look yep. them up. I will, thank you for that. Steve, look them up, they're amazing, you order some, okay, and Okay, I'll write think. that down. Pascal's like in the Sweeties. <laughs> <laughs> Just for one L, but yeah, Pascal's pork scratching is okay, made here in onto Sydney. It. And Matt knows his food. I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ike's got an atomic fireball stuck up his nose. I mean, didn't he learn the lesson from the corn dog? Hey, Al, come quick. Ike's got an atomic fireball stuck up his nose. Again? Ah, didn't he learn his lesson from the corn dog? <laughs> Paints a picture. So Al tells Bud to get the video camera. Just cause, and so what about the Dirt Devil? No, she's reading. And Dirt Devil is a brand of household vacuum cleaners. Um, we don't have them here, and uh, I think if we did, I would have known because I see vacuums every day, all different kinds. But I've never seen a Dirt Devil here. So if you ever do see one, let me know. I will, but it's un- unlikely. But um, I'll, I will have ever seen one. No, oh, they were founded in 1905. As I mentioned before, Peg is wearing a skirt. So she's sort of going in a different route with her fashion this episode. Just, 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 just that's just a random observation because it has nothing to do with the plot or anything. But uh, she has a great quote when she says, "Just how long are you gonna, you guys gonna be Jim carrying around in there?" And we all know who Jim Carrey is. I mean, he's still very much relevant. Well, he's just been around a long time. That's all. But yeah, back then he's a Canadian act, American actor, comedian. He was on In Living Color back when it used to be on. Fox, uh, before Married with Children, back in the very early 90s. So he was very much a Fox personality. But then, of course, he became a huge movie star. So very slapstick, very um, funny. And then he went into more serious movies, I think, from about the Truman Show onwards. He started doing more and more drama-type stuff. But around this time, it would have been, you know, Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and then the Ace Ventura sequel. Yes, I like The Mask and The Grinch, if you go forward a few years, in particular, out of his films as a kid. Mm, yeah, I like the mask too. Uh, back because I saw it in the cinema when it came out, and incidentally, uh, just to tie it back to Married with Children, they did a when it premiered on premiered on Fox in ninety early ninety seven. They did a whole night of Fox programming about the mask, and that's why in an episode in season eleven, um, in Dan Bundy's, there's all these mask type three D effects. In the episode, because it was a night of 3D programming. 
I'm not sure if it's specifically 3D, but it had all these special effects in it, all the silly cartoony stuff. That's why that episode has those moments. It's because of the mask. Nice! Didn't know that. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait till season 11 for that one. Whoever gets to review Dan Bunnies will have some fun with that one. Peg needs Al to drive them to the bingo invitational. <laughs> I need a ride to the bingo tournament. Ah, no, Peg, we're picking a beer. <laughs> Can't you hitch a ride on Marcy's poultry wagon? <laughs> Al, the church is in a very dangerous neighborhood. What could happen, Peg? A drive-by plucking? <laughs> Fine, then don't take me. But I think I'm going to just bust up your little beer party here and ask some stupid questions about sports. Oh, get in the car, Peg. <laughs> And don't forget, you got to pick me up at 9 o'clock. Fine. But my biggest problem with this episode starts here. Why didn't Marcy just drive them? Oh, I, I did not think about, about that actually. either. Yeah. Good spot. I, I just wondered why Marcy didn't drive her and Peg to the church, because Jefferson clearly doesn't need a car. And it's just there wasn't even anything to explain why Marcy couldn't drive them. No. Nah. Well spotted. That was a lazy oversight on the writers. I mean, I can think of, well, the car was out of service. Uh, Marcy, um, obviously being scared of Bingo, didn't want to drive to anywhere um, where Bingo was held, but they did, forgot to explain that. Uh, there could be a reason, but uh, it was definitely a big oversight on the writers in hindsight, and they brought it up. Yeah, I mean, even if she, just a line of exposition to say, oh, my car's back in the German sh- shop again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, you're not getting a micro. <laughs> but anyway, Peg manages to con Al into driving them there. So he drops them off and goes straight home, presumably. So we're in the church. So it's a bingo hall in a church, or a church hall that's become a bingo hall. And next to Peggy sits that sweet-faced little old lady that we've seen a couple of times before. And her name is Seal, but she's played by Jean Spiegel Howard, who was Ron Howard's mother. <laughs> There is now an open chair at table nine. (laughs) Maybe I'll just play with one of these. Touch that marker and you're going to be eating through a straw like the rest of us. (laughs) Oh, well, I guess I'll just sit here until Al comes to pick us up. Seven hours from now. (laughs) Squeak that chair one more time and you'll wish you were never born like the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah, and we have uh, met her twice before, as I said, at the end of season eight and and earlier this season, and we will see her again. And we will also see her husband again a couple of times. Um, We will meet him, I should say. But... In this episode, she's brought her other son along, it seems. And we'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, we've talked about her before. She's an American actress. She passed away in 2000, but she's probably known for being, quote unquote, Ron Howard's mother because she is. But she's, you know, she's made so many appearances in a lot of TV shows. And obviously in this show, she's appeared a total of four times, um, but also had guest spots on Grace Under Fire, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and she's been acting, you know, from the mid-70s until her death. But she's so good at that sweet old lady who's actually 
quite vicious and um, the way she's yelling at Marcy is, is one of the highlights of the episode for me. I've just got one bit here about uh, why Marcy didn't drive. I've just got the line here, why don't you go for a ride on the poultry wagon? What was the answer to that? Oh, oh. yes. Now I have to play it back because I can't remember quite. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, dangerous. That's right. It was too dangerous part of a neighborhood. Too dangerous. And that's right because I wrote down what could happen, Peg, a drive-by plucking. <laughs> But I forgot the actual answer to why they didn't drive. Um, well, at least that does explain it somewhat as to why Marcy would, wouldn't want to drive to the Chicago equivalent of Elizabeth, Walsand, or Bowger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she says the church is in a very dangerous neighbourhood. So I guess she didn't want Marcy's expensive car there. All right, so that's just... How? <laughs> I mean, I totally forgot about that. So, I mean, that's just, just how much faith I have in this episode. <laughs> That's what I said. I've got the ride on the poultry wagon line right, written down. But I didn't have the uh, anything else to do with it. I didn't have the answer. I didn't have the drive-by plucking. No. I had nothing else. I just had that ride on the poultry wagon because I probably found that funny. And I just had the drive-by plucking written down. I mean, <laughs> it's an answer to a question I had. I was too busy writing notes about the um, beer tasting scene. I didn't even write a note about um, that bit. <laughs> oh, That's funny. Marcy's clearly getting settled in at Bingo. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and don't you notice the demographic of the people around them? <laughs> yeah, I think I think Marcy's the youngest person in that room. Because I, I I don't know what it's like overseas. Obviously, around here we think that uh, Bingo is for aged ladies and gentlemen. Um, but they do. They, I do know they do have a passion for it. We do have a, a story locally here in Newcastle just before Christmas because of COVID restrictions. They cancelled all bingo, and I tell you now, it was nearly it was nearly mayhem and all-out civil war because the ladies were barricading the the clubs saying give us our bingo back and all that sort of stuff. They were really disappointed. They took it off the table. <laughs> <laughs> have either of you played bingo uh once on a cruise ship oh yeah i haven't done it on a cruise ship i've done it in a club i think I, I i would like to try it again i mean it could be fun because i do like games and i like quizzes but i've only ever tried bingo once when i was a bit tipsy on a cruise ship so i would like to try it again one day but um i'd have to wear my favorite scent dust <laughs> Well, before I give my answer to um, if I played bingo, uh, so dust, yes, is a scent, and it's also, as popularised by Little Britain, a weight loss method. Hi, fat lamb, fat dust. Anybody? No. 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 Dust. It's actually very low in fat. So you can have as much dust as you like. Dust. Dust. <laughs> Anybody? No. Dust. Anyone? No. Dust. Well, which um, has somewhat ineffective, but there you go. Some, yes, classic um, sketch comedy, British sketch comedy from the mid-2000s. Very popular when I was in high school. People used to quote it all the time. Uh, but yes, um, popularised by that show, it's a weight loss method too. Uh, as for bingo, well... I used to actually call it in a retirement home, so I probably played the most bingo out of the three of us, and probably the most, probably the most of all the hosts on the podcast. I've also played it um, a odd bit of bingo in um, school, especially in primary school. We'd sometimes play it and say the last day of term is just a way to pass the time. You know, the last day of term, the last day of the year where you don't do any work. Mm -hmm. We'd sometimes we play bingo in those days amongst watching films or playing other games or throwing water bombs at each other or whatever. 
you rebel. Yeah. <laughs> I only played it once at a club, and I, I was just amazed because I hadn't seen those funny little markers before. That's the first time I'd seen one. Yeah, the first time I saw those markers was probably watching this episode. I was like, what are they? Oh, they've got special markers and everything. Wow. So, sweet old seal busts a bag of potato chips on Marcy's head. Because <laughs> she's real nice once you get to know her. Oh, yeah. All right, so back at the Bundy house, the men are sampling their beer and by which I mean no drinking, they will sip, swish and spit. Except for Ike who will sip but not swish. And beer will be judged by nose, body, taste and colour of exit. Back to business. Beer will be judged by nose, body, taste and colour of exit. (laughs) (laughs) Now remember, no drinking. We will sip, swish and spit. I'll sip and spit, but I ain't gonna swish. You'll swish and like it. We will now commence with the official No Man Beer Tasting. This episode, I want to show my beer-loving friends, those who are in a group called Perth Beer Snobs on Facebook. I'd show this one to them, because it's actually, at the time of recording, two days before a good friend's birthday, um... This friend of mine loves beer so much, he brews his own beer and all that, but about five years ago, it was his birthday, we're out um, at some breweries, we went to go to five, we could only go to four because he had too much and was, well, sick in the minibus after the fourth one. Oh dear. This episode reminds me of that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they'll now commence with the official No Man Beer tasting. But first, earlier in the episode, we had some British ale. And you've got to remember, Matt, British ale must be served warm. Yeah, it must be served warm, um, but not under armpits. In my opinion, British ale is amazing, whether it's warm or cold. Yes, we put it in the fridge when I get it, and I drink it cold. Yes, kill me. Um, but not under your armpits. I mean, I'll say to all of you out there, I could probably do a podcast on British ale. Heck, I, I'm a, I like the campaign for real ale on Facebook, so I'm not sure how well my taste of beer would go down with ale and his no mammas, especially because, well, it's British and not American beer. <laughs> what about the first candidate they drink that comes from Asian, Asia Minor? Asia Minor? <laughs> <sighs> Our first candidate comes from Asia Minor, is made from agave and bladderwort. <laughs> Hang on, let me read the ingredients. So, this would not be beer in Germany, which has strict rules about what beer can be, dating back to uh, 1516. The German beer law, 1516, um, requires requires nothing but barley, hops, and water to be used. This Asia Minor brew, which has aguave and bladderwort, uh, that's, that would not be beer in Germany, probably not most of the world. It does not go down very well, and uh, someone spits it out onto a wedding dress. Yeah, presumably Peg's wedding dress. But... <laughs> we assume it's Peg. Yeah, I don't think one of the other guys that have brought um, Marcy's or the other wives has dressed over to the Bundy house just for a beer tasting. It had, it had to be Peg's. No, I know, but I haven't seen it there before and it's conveniently placed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very conveniently placed. Uh, I do like our Ike's line. Uh, no, oh, I forget who said it now. But, you know, remember what fell out of that Chernobyl beer? Our next beer is a fine Afghani ale, (laughs) whose name loosely translated means Yellow Mountain Runoff. (laughs) Hey, look! 
There's a prize in every can. <laughs> I'd be careful about that prize stuff. Remember what fell out of that Chernobyl beer. <laughs> what? That was an olive, right? <laughs> uh, and then I think it was Ike said, that was an olive, right? Oh, oh, no. And just to rub it in, now says yes with an eyebrow. <laughs> yes, prize in every can. Yes. Prize in every yeah, Bob really says a prize in every can. He was shaking. I thought it was like a widget in a Guinness can. I thought that's what he was, he was alluding to, but no, they were alluding to something else. Yeah, well, yeah, that took a right turn. Because <laughs> we're not talking about Irish stout. We're talking about whatever style of beer that Chernobyl beer is. I don't think I'd drink that with a um, oh, any sort of glass. No way at all. Um, I don't think even our former Prime Minister Bob Hawke would scold a yard of that. No way. <laughs> For all you American listeners, um, yes, our one-time Prime Minister Bob Hawke once scold a yard of beer in the sometime in the 1980s, and uh, that was one of his trademarks, especially for those who were less political out there. So look, look it up. Um, definitely one of the more memorable moments in Australian political history. Uh, and what other beers have they tried after seven hours of testing? Oh, uh... Well, this one was a fine Afghani ale, <laughs> whose name loosely translated means Yellow Mountain Runoff. Runoff. Runoff, yeah. I was about to mention that Yellow Afghani ale. Looks like there's a good international beer shop near our neighbourhood. It's better than the international beer shop near me here in Perth. I'm envious. Yeah, I, I don't know where they got these beers from, but... This being said, I'm not sure if I want to drink Yellow Mountain Runoff or Chernobyl Beer Prizes. So, <laughs> Al, I think I'll stay away from this beer shop, thank you. Well, I said, you know, let's forget about this wimpy foreign beer. Let's drink American beer. Like Dos Equis. Yes. <laughs> What's more American than a Mexican lager that was originally brewed by a German-born brewer? And it also reminds me of All in the Family again, which takes me back to a 1973 episode of that show where um, the Bunkers' new neighbours, Lorenzo's, are cooking dinner for the Bunkers, and, uh, well, Frank Lorenzo makes vichyssoise, which, which people you may know is a French soup served cold. Naturally, Archie is disgusted and storms into the kitchen wanting some American food like a tin of spaghetti. Look at this, three blows and all the heat's going on. It's vichyssoise, Archie. It's supposed to be cold. The soup is supposed to be cold. Yeah, if you warm it up, it cries. <laughs> well, uh, I, I tell you what. Uh, you see, I cook my heart out with that soup, and he's not eating it. No. It's a flop. No, no. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't get excited. Look, look, if it makes you feel better, I'll keep it over here by me. <laughs> Leave me alone. If I gotta eat a cold dinner, I'm gonna eat something American. Spaghetti. <laughs> You're gonna hang his feelings. He worked so hard. To hell with him. Give me that back here. you listen to me. Ever since you come home here tonight, you've been acting like a little boy. Because I'm hungry. And I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> I want American food, like spaghetti. I noticed that Dos Equis, you can buy it in Australia. I've never come across it before. Have you you, you tried it, Matt? I have, actually. Um, it's actually my favourite Mexican beer. I like it more than, say, Corona or um, 
other Mexican or Central American beers. I'll have to give it a try because I drink Sol at the moment in terms of Mexican stuff, so I'll have to try this one. I like it more than Sol, yes. I like it better than Sol. Dos Equis, uh, for those who don't know, is also known for the memes, the I don't always drink beer guy. Um, he's known for that meme too, those commercials. The most interesting man in the world. Yes, Dos Equis is also known for that. That was campaign was used... Uh, between 2006 and 2018, so it was used for quite a while. Uh, so not that not as old as I thought, actually. Yeah, but it seemed to work. And it was played by Jonathan Goldsmith at first, after, for 10 years. Then for the last two years, uh, he was played by Austin Legrand, and then they retired the um, campaign after two, two years of him playing it. Right. What I noticed about this too, because I, I hadn't seen the beer before, I, I, when he said Dos X, I thought it was two X's, and I saw that, and anybody who's drunk Australian beer now that we have a beer in Queensland, it's four X's, so it must be double, double the beer or twice as good beer as the two X's. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Steve, I remember the last time we met, uh, we were talking about beer with Luigi, and he's mentioned the four X beer. And I think he said yeah. that the four X, the, the X's were because Queenslanders couldn't spell beer. I said that, yeah. <laughs> why, why do Queenslanders call their beer four X? Because they can't spell beer. That's it. <laughs> yeah. My friend in Brisbane, if you listen to this, please prove, prove Queenslanders wrong. <laughs> and uh, I think I may have mentioned, or I'm not sure, I think I mentioned about how, because he can't put piss in a can. And there's also that theory too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, um, very much a Queensland thing, 4X. Um, it's also popular in the UK, like Foster's is. Uh, but yes, now, Steve, I'm not sure if you've been to Brisbane, but if you have, have yep. you been to the 4X yep. brewery? I've walked past it, actually going to the stadium. So you, you walked past, I was staying right near it in Milton. Mm. But I haven't actually been in there. Okay, because um, I was meant to be in Brisbane, funnily enough, later this month here in January. But um, thanks to the little outbreak, everywhere shut, and I went home for my trip early, so... When I can get to Brisbane, I was just wondering, I may go to the Forex Brewery, but um, I may not. I might just um, may do other things as well. It is supposed to be worth it. Keep that in mind. Mm. I still haven't been to the Cooper's Brewery in Adelaide. Mm. I've only been to one brewery, and that was um, the Bass Brewery in Burton in England. That's the only brewery I've been to. Nice. I don't drink much beer. <laughs> but when did you drink beer? What did you go to, Anna? Oh, I drink what I don't have a favourite beer, so uh, sort of drink whatever's on special. <laughs> uh, I drink I drink whatever's given to me basically, but I recently tried the new one Pirate Life. That's okay. And Oh yes, I love Pirate Life. And the Adelaide Casino has a, has a has its own brewery of Pirate Life in, in the casino now, so you can actually see it being well, you can see all the, the drums and the pipes and everything, so it's arguable how much they actually brew on site, but um there is a, a brewery here that you can see. They made see through walls and everything. So their Pirate Life must be their massive sponsor now. But yeah, that was quite good because I got that for free on my birthday. But yeah, I'm not a beer drinker, so I don't I if I go have Mexican beer, it always seems to be Corona. And poor Corona, they got such a bad rap now. But um, yeah, friends, like if you go to a friend's place, they've always got Corona. They put some lime in it. I'm like, oh, that's fine. So if I go to a, a Mexican restaurant, it's always they always sell Corona beer. Beer I'm drinking at the moment, the home beer we drink at the moment, nice simple one that me and the wife are drinking, is actually Tui's Extra Dry, which is known as Ted, in honour of Ted McGinley. So ah. it's, it's Ted beer, and that's the one I'm currently drinking at the moment. Okay, I'm going to give that a go, because, yeah, I just don't drink beer very much, and I, I don't drink a lot full stop, except 
socially, but I usually drink cider or like I don't know something stronger, I guess. But <laughs> well, it gives you the, the the chance and to go down the long cool Ted. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Mm. Money on the fridge <laughs> reminded me of a Ted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Not anything at all. That's strange. Always considered you were good at smelling. You want a beer? To buy some, did you? Well, no, it was in the fridge. <laughs> did, you right? did you leave some money there? <laughs> so they're still beer tasting, and bingo, um, bingo's going okay. Well, Broomhilda is not the best person to play with. Or, well, let's see. She doesn't like crisps. If you touch the wrong marker, you eat through a straw. And Marcy just bored out of her mind, can't swig her chair. If it was made today, she wouldn't be able to use her phone or play, even play Snake or Tetris, let alone what else you can do in it these days. Play Candy Crush. And I dare say you could play Bingo, which is probably how people our age and younger can play Bingo nowadays. And however we'll be playing it these days, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in 41. <laughs> Peggy, I don't think I can sit here any longer. Shut up. <laughs> Just relax, Marcy. This is the last game. Whoever wins this one gets the big jackpot. Oh. Shut up! <laughs> G, 58. Look, Peggy. All you need is one more square. Yeah, but I never win anything. I just play for fun. But uh, eventually Peggy wins i mean it's sort of predictable that she was gonna win but did you notice her winning number the final number that she needed to win well i'll just tell you it was number 33 and 33 bingo Gentlemen, the winner of the $10,000 grand prize, Mrs. Peggy Bundy! Aha! If that was a coincidence, being Al's football number. Ah. They would have deliberately written down the script, surely. Maybe, I don't know. I'd like to think so, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Peggy wins the money. And uh, Marcy gets to tell Seal to shut up for once. And Peggy gets the money. $10,000 happens to be in, in, in cash in a brown paper bag. Yes. Yes, I did notice that. A, a brown paper bag that's been used a few times, I think. And then Marcy tells Broomhilda to shut up after Peggy wins the massive prize. Yes. Which is a nice um, way to put her in a place. Yeah. And what's Peg going to do with that ten grand? Oh. Well, one thing I've noticed um, before, um, about this um, 10 grand prize money is that, um, well, if it was made today, it would obviously be an electronic funds transfer, and thus um, the, the risk of going home would be basically non-existent. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's going to give it to the needy, but of course she needy it all. And they're waiting for Al to pull up. I mean, I know we forgot about Marcy not being able to drive her expensive German car to the bingo hall, but maybe... Al and Peg, uh, sorry, Marcy or Peg could have driven Al's car. I don't know. I mean, I guess Al didn't want them to take it and keep it, even though Al was clearly going to spend the evening drinking beer all night. Well, 
staying true to his performance in bed, I think it's safe to say that Al has let me down again. <laughs> Unfortunately, in this case, I can't just reach into the nightstand and get myself home. <laughs> Thank goodness we're in the comfort of a church. So, I don't know. See, I'm still stuck on this. Why do they have to get a lift? I mean... Well, considering they're in the garage drinking beer, and there's obviously, um... Well, was was the car actually in the garage? No, it wasn't. So, the car's not even in the garage. You should have just let Peg take the Dodge. Yeah, Peg should have just said, you know, stuff it. Don't even tell Al about it. Just take his car. Because he wouldn't have missed it. Yeah, especially after seven hours of beer tasting. Mm. Well, oh, well, as I mentioned, Ike's already eating olives. Bob Rooney's going about four plays, ten seconds. Griff wants more beer. And after a few more beers, um, they have a bit of a duke out. Yeah, they, they've stopped with the beer four play, so now they're, 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 um, well, they're each going to drink a little bit of beer. But they're still showing decorum, aren't they? They are, they are, yes, they are. And Al, I think so, I think he remembers something about 9pm. It's 10.15, so I've already done it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's clearly trashed or pissed. Yeah, they're having a piss-up. <laughs> but they're, uh, Ike and Bob Rooney, they're having a fight about um, Claudia Schiffer and Pamela Anderson. And it's just interesting that someone who used to be on this show a couple of times is now um, the subject of a lot of jokes and references. Schiffer, Pamela Anderson, Claudia Schiffer, Pamela Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> what is the problem? You guys haven't thrown a freaking punch. <laughs> hey, Al, I don't want to box anymore. Ooh, let's dance. Um, everyone knows Pamela Anderson, but Claudia Schiffer, she's a German model. Compliment the German beer? I don't know. But yeah, she's a German model, actress, fashion designer, huge in the 90s, um, especially when she was dating David Copperfield, the magician. But yeah, she rose to fame in the early 90s as one of the world's most successful models, and she was compared to Bridget Bardot. Oh. <laughs> uh, she holds the record for the, for the model with the most magazine covers, so she's listed in the Guinness Book of World Records. Didn't know that. So yeah, the guys are having some fun. <laughs> Peggy and Marcy are not, however, and they're still waiting in the church, which has by now been packed up, cleared out, and it's just Peg, Marcy, and a janitor. Well, Mar- Marcy's understandably worried. Um, again, here's another plot that wouldn't work today. See, this plot wouldn't work today as Uber, Ola, and Chauffeur are very much thing. Yeah, and there's also, um, I don't know about America, but here you can get um, female uh, uh, Ubers, so to speak. So there's one called Sheba. Um, basically, if you just want a female driver to pick you up. So if ladies, I think it's just for ladies driving ladies, basically. So nowadays you've got more options, of course. But back then they're waiting for Al, who's never going to turn up. Ladies, I got to lock up. Get out. <laughs> I thought this was a sanctuary. Yeah, till 11. After that, it's just another crime scene. <laughs> You don't understand. We don't have a ride home, and we're carrying $10,000 in cash. Now, if you make us leave, there's no telling what'll happen to us. Oh, I know exactly what would happen to you. (laughs) So, they're waiting in the church with a janitor played by Clint Howard. And as I mentioned before, he is the brother... 
He's the younger brother of actor and director Ron Howard and the son of Gene Howard, who was Seal earlier in the episode. And Clint Howard, he's a he's a uh, he's an actor in his own right. He's a probably a, a quite a well known character actor. Um, when he was a child, he was in a show called Gentle Ben in the mid to late sixties. I was just trying to work out Anna where I'd, I'd seen his face. It was playing on my mind. You just nailed it right then, Gentle Ben. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Good, always at service. But he's been in films like The Water Boy and Apollo Thirteen. But yeah, Gentle Ben is probably his biggest thing but he's been in a lot of things and he's just one of those familiar looking dudes and that ran between september 10th 1967 and august 31st 1969 58 episodes in two seasons on cbs that's not bad no idea i don't know if it was on here in australia or what channel it came on it was on abc it was one of those abc things yeah definitely i remember watching those when i was a kid Unusual, because ABC, aside from Sesame Street, doesn't tend to play American shows. Yeah, but did then this is well, this is around about the time when ABC was playing things like F Troop and uh, other sorts of shows like that. But definitely, Gentle Ben was on um, ABC. Okay, because I've always known ABC to play more British shows rather than American ones in my lifetime. So thanks for that insight, Steve. I was using the afternoons though, Matt, and in the, the evenings it was always very British. But in the afternoons, say after Sesame Street, there'd be some cartoons and stuff like that. Then some things like F Troop, Gentle Ben, those sort of shows would turn up. And then later, that's when they started to move across to the Doctor Who goodies, Kenny Everett sort of stuff at that time of the day. Oh, nice. I'm talking very 70s here. That's showing my age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I remember my parents talking about uh, how ABC, there used to be always something on, especially on a Sunday night. There was always a decent movie on during the day or something, and then ABC would always show something good. Usually British, yeah, because I grew up watching the goodies because of that. But yeah, Clint Howard, he's still working today, and he's if you look him up, look him up on IMDb. He's got a list longer than, uh, <laughs> longer than a Leonard, Leonard Cohen song. It's quite long. But yeah, he's in a lot of his brother's movies. Obviously, I mean, Ron likes to cast his his parents, his siblings, um, his daughter probably in in several films. If you've ever watched Apollo 13 with the audio commentary on, it's like, oh, there's my mum, or oh, there's my brother, or oh, there's my dad. <laughs> but yeah, Chicago is quite violent. Um, you hear the noises of the outside Chicago world and how dangerous it is, like we did earlier this season in the I Want My Psycho Dad two-parter. Oh, they went in Chicago, though. Duh. But yeah, we have heard it before in um, season six, you know, Chicago. It's not like LA, and then now it's the front door and there's gunshots. Yes, and also, as I mentioned earlier, they're meant to be in Chicago's equivalent of Elizabeth or Armadale, so um, (laughs) basically that that times ten. Well, Peg and Marcy, that is. They're meant to be in the very bad area of Chicago. So I know through the Jimmy Barnes story about what uh, Elizabeth's like. Is Armadale over in WA similar, is it? Yes, basically the equivalent of Elizabeth, yes. Um, okay. Basically, um, not the best area, but it's pretty close to some nice areas. Um, if you go to the other side, east, east side of the railway line and Albany Highway, um, you get some like, hills and a town called Rolly Stone. So yeah. there's, east of the tracks is really nice. West is basically some of the worst areas in Perth, which on the grand scheme of things aren't that bad, especially compared to even other bits of Australia or other bits of England. But there you have it. So the janitor, he's a, his character has a name called Mullen, apparently. Uh, but we never hear his name, so it's just, just to give his character a name. But yeah, he kicks them out. He kicks Peg and Marcy out. But, you know, they have nowhere to go. And he said... 
Oh, and Koya Cab will cost you $200. 200 yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was something, oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, good thing we're in the comfort of a church. It's a, I, I got to lock up, get out. I thought this was a sanctuary, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I like that doctors today can reattach almost anything. <laughs> he invites Marcy and Peggy to shack up with him. But, uh, yeah, nah. So, yeah, his cousin Elmo drives a gypsy cab. He can come get you for 200 So I can't believe you're ripping us off in a sacred place. God is going to get you. He said, yeah, there's so much more he can take from me. <laughs> oh, he's so adorable. There's some info. Uh, sorry, a bit of trivia here from IMDb. Clint Howard's character, Mullen, calls Marcy Bucko when he says, suit yourself, Bucko. And IMDb, someone has submitted this. They said that it's most likely an in-joke towards his real-life brother, Ron Howard, because very frequently on Happy Days, Richie Cunningham would use the word bucko when addressing people. I'd completely forgotten that because I haven't seen Happy Days in forever, but yeah, just a bit of info, whether intentional or not, probably maybe he slipped that in. Well, for whatever reason, it was nicely slipped in. <laughs> Sorry for the bumpy ride. <laughs> Hard to steer when you're coming off drugs. <laughs> hey, watch out! <laughs> Damn jogger. Uh, don't you think you should turn your headlights on? Nope, but uh, feel free to turn on yours. <laughs> you should report him. What's his name? Dan Rostenkowski? <laughs> Why are you stopping? Well, you see this thing here on my leg? <laughs> I go two more blocks, I violate my parole, we all explode together. <laughs> Which is something I've been hankering for since you two hot mamas slid into my cab. <laughs> I think we'll just get out here. Fine. My buddy Abdullah will take you the rest of the way. Mm. So Peg and Marcy are in the car with <laughs> Mullen's cousin Elmo. And they're in a very bumpy ride. Marcy says, "What's we should report him. What's his name? Dan Rostenkowski. Now, I don't know if you two know who Dan Rostenkowski is, because it's a very American reference. No, I don't. No, because I didn't know at the time either. But Dan Rostenkowski was a United States representative from Chicago, serving from 1959 to 95. And he became one of the most powerful legislators in Washington, especially in the matters of taxation, until he went to prison. He was the son of a Chicago alderman and for many years, Democratic committeeman of Chicago's 32nd Ward, retaining this position even while serving in Congress. And Rostenkowski's political career ended abruptly in 94 when he was indicted on corruption charges relating to his role in the Congressional Post Office scandal and was then narrowly defeated for re-election by Republican Michael Patrick Flanagan. He subsequently pleaded guilty to charges of mail fraud in 96 and was fined and sentenced to 17 months in prison. Wow. Yeah. He'd be right at home in Sydney. No offence, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't live in Sydney. I'm north of Sydney. I'm well out of there. <laughs> I, think, I, think mo I think most of the corruption in New South Wales is in a Sydney basin anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a very... American, very 90s reference. So the next scene, they're driving and <laughs> they're in a Geo Metro, which apparently can go up to 140 miles an hour. <laughs> I 
find driving to be a really zen experience. I think the faster you go, the faster you get there. I never knew a Geo Metro could go 140 miles an hour. Yeah, they corner great too. Watch. That's right, with the pirates. They were first with the hick and who got the parole, and now with the pirates. Yeah, I don't need headlights. And you'll remember that Griff drives a Geometro. The show's got something about Geometros. And the Geometro was a marketing and manufacturing variation of the Suzuki Cultus available in North America from 89 to 2001 as a joint effort of GM and Suzuki. And in the US, the Metro carried a Geo nameplate from 89 through to 97, and a Chevrolet nameplate from 1998 to 2001. So the next scene, they're driving in what seems to be a fairly nice, calm, normal cab. Oh, that's right. Yeah, with a lady who seems like a nice person. And she's played by an actress who's so familiar looking, and I looked her up, and much like Clint Howard, she's got an IMDb credit list of, let's say, a lot, and she's still working today. And I've, I've seen her in quite a few things. But her name is Rusty Schwimmer. And she does look nice and normal, but she's actually batshit insane. What a relief to be in a normal cab. You seem like a nice person. Well, I love my work. <laughs> How long have you been driving? 72 hours. Straight. <laughs> <laughs> Driving's helped me forget about the two-timing dirty dog who left me and took everything. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll have the last laugh when he finds out I wrapped his cab around a telephone pole wearing his favorite shirt. <laughs> I got your, she was only making the bed. <laughs> so yeah, she's been driving for 70 hours straight. I was, I was just going to say, I've got, I'm writing their names, I go down when I got the third cab, she didn't say her name, so I've just got Looney Lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to the credits, her name is Babs. Babs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Babs. <laughs> Who's driven 72 hours straight. Yes, but she has this, the she has a great moment of her ex-husband, ex-partner, who left her and took everything. <laughs> when she does that evil laugh, and then right after she makes this really mad face, blank face afterwards, that was a great bit. So presumably Peck and Marcy finally make their way home. We don't know who else they... Uh, they meet one more. Oh, there's one they, more? Yeah, there's one, one more, sorry. Yeah. yeah, he's uncredited. There's a man who fell... A- Fell asleep at the wheel. The yes. sleepy guy. <laughs> so, loony lady into sleepy guy. <laughs> and amazingly, this all cost um, over $9,000, to quote Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I, I wondered how many more rides they needed, how far away they were, why did it cost so much. Did they get mugged? Yeah. Oh, so many questions. Yeah. But back in the Bundy house, sleigh rides in March? They were drunk, blimey. Deary <laughs> me. <laughs> and Buck says the horror. Like he's quoting Kurtz from Apocalypse now. Well, the last time I saw, Buck was giving them all sleigh rides. <laughs> <laughs> The horror. The unspeakable horror. But I, I did notice, only just today really, Buck is wearing antlers. And then later on when Peg and the kids are in the garage, Buck's not wearing antlers anymore. He's just in the background there. But they either 
he took them off or <laughs> completely different shot. I don't know. But yeah, his antlers are suddenly gone. But that's just me being pedantic. So yeah, um, Bud and Kelly come in to see Al and Al calls them, what's her name? And don't worry about me, I'm on the pill. Oh, look, my children. <laughs> what's her name? And don't worry about me, I'm on the pill. <laughs> Bud, Kelly, when your mother asks about this, and she will, you tell her we just tasted one beer and went right to sheep. What if she asks why you didn't pick up your wife? You just tell her because she was too heavy. <laughs> yeah, Alfie's is a chick. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I wonder which one is which is which. You know, what's her name? He <laughs> does say, look, look, my children. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, my children. But they just had one beer and went right to sheep. <laughs> That's right, yeah. What the sheep? Um, one beer. Hang on. One beer. Are you talking one gallon of beer? One brewery worth of beer? I don't know, but did you see the amount of cans in the garage? Yes. <laughs> I still... Al, Al would have had a field day at the a, a Bucks or um, Bachelor Party he went to in late 2018 where there was beer made for it and a uh, uh, great night. If he said the name of the... If he didn't say the name of the beer the correct way, he had to finish a drink... Um, one of the groomsmen had a whistle. Uh, he, if he blew it, um, and you were the last man to make your pose, he had to finish a drink. Al would have been wasted that night. <laughs> that party didn't end until the last man left. So earlier this year, I got married, and we had an open bar. And, oh, the stories I could tell you. Well, you were there, Matt. You remember? <laughs> oh, yes. Um, oh, I had a nice uh, West End here. Cooper's there. Didn't quite manage to ruin my tie, thankfully. But yeah, Peg and Marcy have wound up after $10,000 with three bucks. <laughs> only th- only three? I thought, it was, I thought it was a tenner. No, there's only three bucks. I said three, yeah. Which is how much now, Matt? <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me just... Well, um, that's uh, $5.09 or $6.63. Uh, a princely Jeez. sum. Taxis and rides don't cost that much. I mean, they didn't mention getting mugged or robbed or, um, yeah, cause rides don't cost that much. No, I mean, I know the show is very cartoonish by this point, but how can you lose over nine grand getting from one side of the city to the other or wherever yes, they were? Yeah. yeah. And again, this would be an electronic funds transfer now. Uh, they wouldn't give it out in cash these days, uh, so. Yeah, not even an UberX would cost that much. <laughs> Yeah, this bit of the episode would have been significantly retooled. Yeah, the only thing I'm thinking back in those days, why wouldn't they write a check? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. But, yeah, Marcy has a comment about that's all they have left after fighting their way north via the Underground Railroad. And the Underground Railroad is a network of secret routes and safe houses established in the United States during the early to mid-19th century and used by enslaved African-Americans to escape into free states and Canada. It's not literally a, a railroad. The workers, both black and white, free and enslaved, who secretly aided the fugitives to free themselves, are also collectively referred to as the Underground Railroad. And it ran north and grew steadily until the Civil War began. And one estimate suggests that by 1850, 10,000 slaves had escaped via the railroad. Wow. Hmm. One thing I do like about this episode is we get a very rare 
late. Thank your father, kids. Thanks, Dad. Uh, this is only three bucks. <laughs> well, that's all we had left after fighting our way north via the Underground Railroad. <laughs> Thank your father, kids. Thanks, Thanks Dad. Dad. Thanks. All this for new official beer. <laughs> That's what we forgot to do. Huh? Pick a new official beer. Uh, how about girly girl? Yeah. Hey, boy, that was easy. Oh, we forgot that other line, though. Why didn't you pick up your wife? Because she was too heavy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, after Peg asked him. Yeah. Mm. And he's like, hey, Pookie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, we get a thanks, Dad. When was the last time they used the thanks, Dad line um, before this? Before this, I think it was the end of season six. Because oh, wow. we haven't heard it for a while. And if you're curious about thanks, Dad, I did make a compilation of them all. And they're all on my YouTube channel. And they are in chronological order. So this is probably the last one you hear, but we do hear a thanks, Mum, in season 11. But it's not a true thanks, Dad. But yeah, it was so popular in the second season. And then started using it more sparingly, like once in season four, a couple of times in season six, and now in the second half of season nine. Well, at least I got one more use out of it in these late late days of the show. Yeah. And, uh, oh, hang on. Uh, no, ma'am, once again, has no official beer. And after several many hours of tasting beers and eating olives and duking it out and talking about beer foreplay and crashing asleep they pick girly girl again who knows maybe 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 yoko ono stopped being the spokeshuman person whatever <laughs> yeah girly girl a good choice that was easy <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, it's probably just a regular lager girly girl. I can't imagine girly girl being like a toffee-infused ale or an imperial stout or a double IPA. Yeah. Well, I'm no beer expert, but sounds good to me. I just want to give my beer expertise. <laughs> right, so that's pretty much the end of the episode. Al says, it's nine o'clock, where are you going? i got to go pick up the wife, and then he collapses. <laughs> <laughs> so he did remember nine o'clock, eventually. Yeah, 9 a.m. <laughs> So is there anything else we haven't covered or need to mention before we get into our reviews? I've got a slight note here from earlier in the episode, but I can't remember exactly when. Uh, there's a line about toothpaste being for kisses, smiles, oh, and yeah. eaters. Yep. If you kissed, you might eat. Yeah. <laughs> we need something to cleanse the palate between beers. Have you tried toothpaste? <laughs> No, Peg, toothpaste is for people who kiss, smile, or eat. Well, if you kissed, you might eat. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't smile. <laughs> and there's also the Bundy House has expired cereal from 1989 at the latest, more likely 1988. The cocoa lumps. Yes, because it says do not, do not sell after 1989. Yes, is that. Amazingly, that ha somehow managed to be in the house for that many years and not be fully eaten. Though I never know. Hmm. I don't know, but they look like the... Yeah, yeah, they're cocoa lumps. But uh, And sometimes you see cocoa lumps in the background of some earlier episodes. So I'm wondering if it's just that same packet or... Ugh, I don't know. It probably is. Do not sell after 9.99. He just says, I'm not selling them. I'm eating them or something. 
<laughs> You're not still after 1989. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I'm not selling, I'm eating <laughs> That, yeah, that reminds me of um, the season three premiere, he thought he could, where Peg's making the popcorn. You know, best before. <laughs> oh, that old popcorn, yeah. Yeah, yeah best before. <laughs> <laughs> No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, so how many beers are you going to sip, swish, and spit for this episode, Matt? Alright, um, initially I was going to sip, swish and spit four beers, but after the um, major exposition of the whole why didn't um, why couldn't they use this way to get to the bingo hall and back, I've decided to um, abruptly cut halfway through um, one of the beers and only do three and a half. I swear that um, Gallo Mountain Runoff at Chernobyl beer put me off. It suddenly tasted funny about it. I was like, uh, yeah, three and a half. Um... I probably, probably would have been a three if it wasn't for my love of beer, but the beer t- tasting scene alone um, makes it a three and a half for me, so that's that's how much I'm giving it. Okay, very good. So, Steve, how many beers are you going to sip, swish, and spit for this episode? I'll sip, swish, and, and spit very similar to Matt, well, exactly the same as Matt, actually, 3.5, three and a half. Um, I think there's a couple of things. It's a, it's a good episode, a good one you can enjoy. Um, I didn't really get any real belly laughs out of it, apart from one or two of those jokes, probably the one at the end about why don't you pick up your wife, she's too heavy, and that um, if you if you're kissed, you might eat. That made me laugh a little bit, so I wonder why I forgot that one. But um, the, the, the drinking side of it, the beer side of it, I quite enjoy. The, the bingo side of it, it gets a bit lost. I'm not really sure what they're trying to achieve with that. And like we try and we try and work out what the mystery is between when they get in the first cab and when they get home, we don't really know what happened, so it sort of doesn't go anywhere. So I see it as sort of an A plot and B plot, where I do like the the, the B plot of the the boys doing the beer testing, but it's a good one. It's not one I hate. It's not one 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 on my top list of of um of episodes, but I did enjoy it and did have a laugh out of it. So just a three and a half from me. Okay, very good. As for myself, I was hovering back and forth between two scores. And discussing it with you guys makes me want to put it up half a notch. But I still come back to my original score for for a lot of the same reasons um, we've discussed about anyway and things that you've just touched on there, Steve. So I thought I was going to give it – I was going to sip, swish and spit only two and a half beers for this episode. And maybe that's because I'm not a beer fan. 
I'm not a beer drinker and I probably don't get as much enjoyment out of the beer drinking scenes as you guys do. And it's fine. I mean, I still enjoyed watching it. It just doesn't do anything for me personally. And like you say, the bingo thing, I mean, that doesn't really have much of a payoff. It's, it's like, oh, she wins some money and she loses some money. And we don't really know how. We can only guess at all these ludicrous things that could happen. What I did enjoy were the, the car rides home that we did see. They were quite funny. And especially the woman with the <laughs> doing something with a dead cat, wrapping it in her ex-husband's pajamas or whatever it was and being insane. She was a hoot. But like I, I just don't know. I, I, we, I know we figured out why Marcy doesn't want, didn't want to drive her car there, but she or Peg could have driven Al's car there because Al's car was not in the garage like we mentioned. And, you know, they, they, could, they could have driven themselves there. Uh, I guess they didn't want their car to get stolen. That's the only reason I can think of. But, you know, there couldn't have been a way around it. It was just so, just kind of like a lazy sort of filler kind of episode to me. Um, I still enjoyed it. There's some quite um, some funny lines here and there. Um, I'm distracted by the small cosmetic changes I mentioned, you know, with Jefferson's hair, Marcy's hair, after they um, they drowned at sea in a few episodes prior, her hair's looking a bit awful again. Um, Peg's wearing a skirt, which is sort of different for her. Um, Kelly's hair is really short. We didn't touch on that at all, but um, we can discuss that in a, another episode. But um, So, yeah, I'm always noticing people's hair for some reason. Um, yeah, I love um, Jean Howard as the old lady. Um, she's always welcome for me. I love Clint Howard. He's a wonderful character. actor. Um, having them both in the same episode is kind of cool. Um, so th they have some good scenes. And, yeah, I like sort of... Uh, seeing all these different beers and stuff and, you know, um, jabs at British ale has to be served warm. And uh, it's, it's, it's a fun episode. It's just that when you examine it up close, it's like, meh. So, yeah, I'm only going to give it two and a half beers. I was going to give it maybe three. But it's just a bit silly for me, so I'm just going to stick it at two and a half. Oh, well, well examined there, Anna. Yes, well examined. Uh... Yeah, it's like a nothing, nothing earth-shattering. It's just an episode, you know? And you may have mentioned a lot of things that are a bit different, like the different costuming even. Uh, but we are in late in Season 9, so maybe by this time they felt like sh shaking things up a bit, especially because, you know, it was, they were past the 200th episode by this point. And... Yeah, this would have been right after... I think it was filmed late February, so it would have been right after they celebrated their 200th. Yeah, there's sort of there, there are some good episodes still to come this season. And there are some good episodes in season 10, but the show is starting to sort of lose steam a little bit, I think. But that's, that's just my opinion because, there are, like I said, there are still some good episodes this season. I think they're sort of, this is just an episode. It feels like filler to me, but enjoyable filler. So that is And Bingo Was Her Game O. And next week, the Married With Children podcast will be discussing user-friendly. Oh, yeah. Which is a good episode. I know why right away. Don't need to tell me twice. Yes, I, I think you do. <laughs> uh, User-friendly, that's when um, there's a light switch they need to find the origin of. And also, and that's when... Um, oh, yes. Bud does some virtual reality sex. And Matt likes this episode because Amber returns. Oh, of course. Yes, very much yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know I meant the light switch. Oh, that's a classic. Married to Children podcast will be back next week with 
user-friendly. When Bud gets hooked on a virtual reality sex experiment to revitalize his sex life with Amber until she and Kelly find out and plan to stop him. Meanwhile, during his week-long vacation, Al becomes obsessed with an electrical switch that has an unknown function. So thank you all for listening out there. This has been the Married Children Podcast Australian Style. Steve, thank you for joining us again. Always welcome, and we'll hopefully see you for Season 10. And, yeah, thanks, everybody. Peace out. Thank you.